Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, open it to Mark chapter 16, the Gospel of Mark. Today, chapter 16. Can you think back this morning and remember an announcement in your life where everything changed? Think back, of course, across the course of your days. And and with this announcement, an announcement that you heard, uh, everything in your life changed. Nothing was ever the same again with that announcement. As I think about that, I can think of of several such announcements in my life. Uh, I remember... One weekday, it was about 10.30 in the morning, uh, Carrie called me on my phone. It was a while back. We had those great big cell phones, had this giant phone. Uh, She called and said she wanted to meet me at the house. Uh, She was uh, teaching. She was coaching tennis. And it was for sure a strange thing to meet her in the middle of the day. And so I I got in my pickup. I was at the farm, and I flew into town. Couldn't imagine what was going on. Uh, Pulled up, and I see her her big school bus that she was driving parked out front. Uh, I couldn't imagine what it was that she was going to tell me, and my heart is beating very quickly. And I came turning around the corner and pulled up in the driveway, and, and she was standing there behind the house, standing in the carport. Again, it's the middle of the day, in the middle of a school day, and I can't imagine what she's going to tell me. My heart is beating, and I, I got out of the pickup and said, What is it? And she started to cry, and she said, I'm pregnant. Sarah Jo, with that announcement, everything changed. With that announcement, nothing was ever the same again. What an awesome, awesome announcement. I'll never forget that day. I remember another announcement. It was another day, a particular day, that I'd taken my dad to a doctor's appointment. Uh, He had had some stomach trouble. His back was sore. Uh, He was still working. He was still working very hard. And we weren't sure what was what the problem was, and I remember on that day we went into the doctor's office and we sat down there. Now, if you knew him, he was very impatient and he talked kind of loud. And so we're sitting there in this waiting room and as we sit there and it starts to push up on an hour, he starts to say, well, I guess they think nobody has anything to do. And he's kind of talking out loud and I'm telling him, it's all right, it's all right. And we, we get back to the, to the room in the back and He's very impatient there, and it's about 30, 40 minutes there in that room, and, and he starts to say, well, they've got five of these rooms here. They fill them up with people. I guess they figure we don't have anything to do here. And he's very impatient. And I remember the doctor came in, and she had a file in her hand, and she knelt down in front of his chair, and she said, Mr. Castleberry, you have cancer, and it is not curable, and it is terminal, and it will end in your death all one sentence and I remember with that announcement everything changed with that announcement nothing was ever the same again maybe you can think of announcements in your life such as these well today it is Easter Sunday 2018 and in one verse today I want to look at the greatest, most profound, most astounding, most miraculous, most impactful announcement that has ever been made. I want to look in one verse today, an announcement that with that announcement, everything changes. With that announcement, nothing will ever be the same. Our message this morning, this Easter Sunday morning is entitled, The Turning Point. 
the turning point. We're in Mark chapter 16. Today we're going to focus on one verse, verse 6. Mark chapter 16, today one verse, verse 6. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 16, today the sixth verse. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Listen to that again. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for my foundation that stands today. I'm thankful for a hope that endures today. I'm thankful for peace, not as the world can give, that I have in Jesus Christ today. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sins that I have in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for life eternal that is secured in Jesus Christ. And so today on Easter Sunday 2018, We come and we celebrate and we exalt the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray as we begin to study your word today, I pray that it wouldn't be a normal event. It wouldn't be a lecture that passes by. It wouldn't be a speech that we try to listen and discern from, but it would be the truth of God's word. And I know the truth of God's word is is living and it's active. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts today. I pray for some in this room this very morning that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today in the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of your word, and the drawing of your spirit, that today might be the day of their salvation. I pray for us today who are believers. I pray that we would be encouraged. I pray that we would be strengthened today. I pray that we would be renewed. And I pray the end result of all of that, would you be greatly glorified. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. To set the context for our verse today, understand at this point, Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been taken down from the cross. The Bible tells us Jesus was placed in a rich man's grave, Joseph of Arimathea. It was a borrowed grave. He was placed in that grave. The next day was the Sabbath day, and understand, Jesus is dead in his grave. Tradition calls that a day of silence, I believe mainly because the Bible is silent on the, the really the comings and the goings of that day, but it is called a day of silence. And as I think about that day of silence, I believe it's, it's much heavier than that. I believe that day, that Saturday, was a day of great heartbreak. I believe it was a day of great pain and hurt. Jesus is dead. I believe their hearts are broken. Jesus is dead. I believe it was a day of great doubt. I believe it was a day of complete despair. Can you imagine that day? Our leader, our Lord, the one that we called Messiah, the one that we had pinned our hopes upon, he is dead. And I really can't imagine the emotion of that day. The day comes and the day goes and Jesus is dead. The sun comes up and the sun goes down and Jesus is dead. 
Then we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 16, again setting the context, verse 1. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they may come and anoint him. They bought spices so they may come and anoint him. Now understand what's going on here. They did not embalm. Most of the Jewish people did not embalm. That was an Egyptian practice. But they would pour on various oils and spices and perfumes to cover the decay process. It was really a sign of honor, a sign of reverence for the person who was deceased. Now, notice here in this first verse, it is still Saturday night. The Sabbath ends at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. And so when the Sabbath ends at 6 o'clock, they go and they buy the provision, the spices to anoint his body. See this. Jesus was dead and they expected him to stay dead. Really, when we read that verse, that's what it's telling us. Jesus was dead, and they expected him to stay dead. Now, that was only logical. That was all that they knew. That is all that had ever happened. Jesus had said that he would rise again, but they weren't expecting it. In fact, they were expecting the opposite. They expected him to be dead, and they expected him to stay dead. And so they prepared to honor him by anointing him with spices. Verse 2. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. It is now Sunday morning, the Bible tells us, the first day of the week, and they come to the tomb. They're approaching the tomb. It is at daybreak. As the sun is coming up, they are approaching the tomb. Verse 3, they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? As they are traveling, as they go, they know they're going to have a problem with the stone. And so the the topic of conversation as they're making the journey, the the topic that they're talking about as as they're traveling to the tomb is, what are we going to do with the stone? And maybe somebody will be there. Maybe we can get somebody to help us with it. But, but it's early in the morning, and what if nobody's there? And that is the topic of their conversation. What will we do with this large stone? Verse 4. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. As they get near to the tomb, they see that the stone has been rolled away. Even as big as it was, they see that the stone has been rolled away. Verse five. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. Now understand what's happening here in verse five. The Bible says that it looked like a young man, but be sure here, it was an angel. As they enter into the tomb, there is an angel. He looks like a young man. He's sitting there on the right. The Bible says he is wearing a white robe. If you look at the gospel accounts, that white robe is illuminating. It is is shining the radiance of, of the white from it. And so here is this angel sitting in the tomb, and evidently he is wearing a white robe from heaven's holy closet. And there he sits at the right in the tomb. And the Bible says this. 
And they were amazed. And they were amazed. Now that has to be the understatement of the century. Can you imagine? They, they come on this day and as they approach, it's strange enough that the, the stone has been rolled away. But as they enter in, there is an angel there in his white robe and they are amazed. Okay, the context is set. Friends, listen. The greatest announcement of all time the announcement upon which everything changes, the announcement that upon after it is made, nothing can ever be the same. Do you realize that after this announcement, nothing will ever, ever, ever be the same? The greatest announcement of all time here in verse six. We're gonna move through it piece by piece. Verse six starts and it says, and he said to them, They've entered the tomb. He's sitting there at the right. And it starts off and it says, and he said to them. Now, I think this is nothing strange. I think it's pretty marvelous. Angels had announced his birth. Now, angels announce his resurrection. And so they enter into the tomb and, and there's this angel and he's beginning, he's about to speak. The angel dressed in white begins to speak and he says this. Do not be amazed. Do not be amazed. That's the, that's the message from the angel. Do not be amazed. Now the Greek word for amazed, it literally translates out from one's senses. It literally translates, if you go back to the original language, out, being out from one's senses. Now in a Vernon, Texas translation, that means out of your mind. That's what it means, out of your mind. See this, the angel from heaven says, do not be out of your mind. That's what he says as they walk in. Do not be out of your mind. Now, you know what that means? It means they were evidently leaning towards being out of their mind. Understandable. So he says, do not be amazed. Hold it together. Do not be amazed. Then he says, you are looking for, you are seeking what it translates. You're seeking the reason that you got up this morning, the reason that you've traveled here this morning, the reason that you've bought these spices and you've brought them here, the reason that you have come this morning is you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus the Nazarene. Now this is huge this morning. Stay with me this morning. God's messenger, the angel says, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Now this angel doesn't know him by that name. This angel for sure never had called him by that name. This is a name that is assigned by men. Yet God's messenger says, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Understand that title made the Jesus that they were looking for a specific Jesus. That title, Jesus the Nazarene, it would tie him to the place of his hometown. More than that, it would tie him to his father's family, his father's household there in that town. Listen to me this morning. God was making clear, God was making abundantly clear, this is a specific man. Jesus the Nazarene. This is the man born in Bethlehem, the one of whom the angel said, there has been born for you today a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
This is the man dedicated at the temple, the one of whom Simeon said, my eyes have seen God's salvation, a light unto the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is the man who was raised at a carpenter's knee, the one of whom the Bible says he grew and became strong and increased in wisdom. This is the man who was baptized in the Jordan River, the one of whom John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. This was the man who called and trained the twelve, the one of whom Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the man who taught on the mountainside, the one whom the people said, Behold, he teaches not as one of the scribes, but as one with authority. This is the man who recently rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's back, the one of whom the crowd said, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the man who had been accused and accursed and abandoned and beaten without mercy, the one of whom his own people said, crucify him, crucify him. Oh, dear friends today, this is a specific man, Jesus the Nazarene. I can't leave it there. You see, he is a specific man, but he's not just any man. Listen to me this morning. Yes, he is a specific man. God is revealing through the message of this angel. Yes, he is a specific man, but we need to understand also he's not just any man. He is the one of whom Isaiah said, he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. He's God. He is the one of whom Daniel said, he shall be known as the ancient of days coming to judge the world. He's the one of whom Jeremiah said, he'll be called a righteous branch who will reign as a king and he will act justly. He is the one of whom Zechariah said he'll be called king, but not just any king, the king that's endowed with salvation. He is the king that will save. He is the one that Ezekiel said he'll be called a loving shepherd who would gather his flock into himself and he would bring his flock into rest. And so be sure today, while he is a specific man, he's not just any man. This is Jesus of Nazareth. Now see how crazy this is. See how ironic, see how absurd this is. He says, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Not just any man, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. Who has been crucified. The Greek word here for having been crucified, it's actually just one word. And it means to bring to mortal end, to kill by impaling on a cross, to kill by staking to a cross. Do you see, do you understand today that's how he will forever be known? Not only is the one that came from Nazareth, not only is the one that came from his father's house, not even only as the Christ, not even only as the Messiah, not even only as Emmanuel, God with us, from now and all the way through eternity, he will be known as the one who's impaled on a cross, Jesus the Nazarene, the one who has been crucified. Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine the title now that's been assigned to him by men? The Lamb of God who was crucified. The Christ, the Son of the living God who was crucified. The King that saves, he acts justly. He comes with salvation who is crucified. The Christ, the Son of the living God who was crucified. Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. A title that was put on him that should have brought him shame, but because of who he was forever, will bring him glory. The lamb who was slain, the King Jesus who was crucified. Praise God, for my sake, he was crucified. See this now. With the Savior, Jesus, now clearly identified, the angel says, now listen, he's identified, this is a specific man. Not only that, he is a special man. He's made it clear that he was crucified. He's died on the cross of Calvary. Then the angel says this, he has risen. He has risen. Oh, what an announcement that is. He has risen. He is risen. The word risen literally translates to raise up. To raise up. Now, I like that translation, to raise up. Now, I want you to see what this, what this picture looks like. And it's an actual picture. This is actually what happens. Jesus Late in that evening is pulled from the cross and he's dead. And his body begins to stiffen and he's dead. They take him there off the cross and his, his body begins to become cold and as the night starts to set in, as the night starts to creep in, he becomes even colder still. And the blood that had poured out of him, the blood that we're saved by, the blood that had run out of his wounds, begins to dry on his skin. And the body that was once the embodiment of love is now dead. The body that once laughed and smiled and held the children in his lap, it is dead. The body that was a son and a brother and a friend, a teacher, our Savior is dead. They take the body. They begin to hurriedly clean it as best as they can. And they began to hurriedly wrap that body up as, as best as they can. It's all that they know to do. It's what they've done for all the ages. They, they take the body and they prepare it for the grave. They take the body and they prepare it for the tomb. It's all they've ever known. And so they take the body of Jesus and they begin to quickly clean him off as best they can. And they begin to wrap him in his grave clothes. In chapter 15, verse 46 says this. They laid him in the tomb. Can you imagine the absurdity of that? Jesus, the King, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, Him, God Himself, and He comes to a sinful man, Jesus, the Lord, and He's dead, and we put Him in a tomb. Can you imagine the absurdity of that? Here is Jesus held in heaven, the King and the Prince of glory, and He's dead, and we wrap Him, and we put Him in a tomb. And the angel says in that context, he's no 
longer dead. He's raised up. That's what he says. He's raised up. Praise God. He's alive again. The Lord is risen. He's raised up. He's been raised. Friends, we serve a risen Savior, Jesus. Crucified for the sins of man, dead, put in a grave. We serve a risen Savior, Jesus. He's alive today. Listen to the next part. He has risen. This is kind of comical almost if you listen to it. (laughs) The angel says, I mean, it's pretty clear, but they're in the tomb. And he says, he is risen. He's not here. He's not here. He says, behold, it means see. Take a look over there. There's the place where they laid him. Very simply what the angel says, here's he's gone. He's no longer here. He's gone. He, he's not here. He's risen. He's gone. That's what he's saying here. Friends, here's the truth of that. Listen to me very carefully. The good news of Easter is this. Listen to me. The good news of the resurrection is this. Listen to me. It doesn't end in the tomb. It doesn't end in the grave. Not for Jesus. It doesn't end in the tomb. It doesn't end in the grave. Because of Jesus, not for us either. It doesn't end in the grave. Paul says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Having defeated the grave, Jesus leaves it. Praise God for him. Praise God for us. It doesn't end as Christians in the grave. So there you have it. The greatest announcement ever made. The announcement upon which everything changes, upon which nothing can ever be the same. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here's the place where they laid him. Folks, see something this morning. Do not miss this this Easter Sunday morning. See this. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Understand the announcement that you've heard this morning. This is the good news of our Savior Jesus. See there in the middle of the verse, understand this. The one who is crucified is identified as the one who is risen. It's talking about Jesus. Do you understand? That's the good news of our gospel. The one who is crucified is the one who is risen. You see, for sin, my sin and your sin, There had to be a crucifixion. The Bible says there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. There had to be a crucifixion. The wages of sin is death. God's wrath, God's judgment of sin, the result of sin is death. Jesus comes and he dies my death and he dies your death. Do you understand? We've read the account that should have been ours. He died your death. He died my death. The truth of the good news of the gospel is he leaves the glory of heaven and he becomes a man, a near of kin that he could redeem mankind. He lives a life without sin. He lives a life of no sin so that he can offer his life in your place and in my place in our stead. 
And he goes to the cross of Calvary and there he sheds his own blood. The price of our salvation, the cost of our redemption is his own blood, his own blood poured out. And he's crucified there on the terrible cross. He's crucified, he's crucified and the payment is made. Your payment and my payment. But friend, on Easter Sunday morning, the truth is this. He is risen. He is risen. And now, having died for sin, he offers us salvation. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You wonder, well, how does this pertain to me? This was years ago, ages ago. How does this pertain to me? Having died for sin, he now offers salvation. Having paid for sin, he offers us forgiveness. Do you understand in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven of your sin. They're removed from you. That's what he offers you because he paid for sin. Do you understand? Having defeated death, he now offers us life. He offers us life eternal. The good news of Easter is this. He offers it to you and he offers it to me as sinners. The good news of this Easter is this. Today that offer still stands. That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. There's a great God, a gracious, marvelous, mighty God and he's holy, he's pristine. We have sinned against him. Every person in this room, we've sinned against him. We've broken our relationship with him. And I think we, we feel that as we go through life. We understand there's something missing and we look for that. And we think it's going to be in a relationship. It's going to be in money. It's going to be in success. And if I could just turn this corner, I want to find some relief. But we turn the corner and it's never there. We've broken our relationship with the holy God. The Bible says God loves us. He sends his only begotten son and he comes and lives a life and he doesn't sin. That's the good news. Because he doesn't sin, he goes and he exchanges himself. He steps into my place and your place. And he takes God's wrath poured out towards sin upon himself. The result is death. It always has been. With death paid, three days later, he stands risen, living, raised again as the resurrected Savior, Jesus. Today, that is still offered to you. The Bible says if you receive that by faith, the Bible says if there's a point when you understand that's talking about me, I'm that sinner. If you understand he's my hope, my hope alone, and you put your faith in Jesus, Romans 10, 9 and 10, 13, if you'll call upon him, if you'll profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, he is your Lord, you will be saved. The good news of this Easter Sunday morning is salvation is available for you this day. Our Savior, your redemption. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. And I pass across this story and I try to take it in and I can't understand the marvel of a God who would die for his own creation. Jesus dying for sinful man. I can't understand that, Lord, but as I, as I read it and I understand my sinful state, 
as I understand the penalty that I have earned, I see your grace and your love and your mercy. Lord, I receive and I love my Savior Jesus. I exalt him. I lift his name up high. Lord, I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus. I pray on this day, on this Easter Sunday, that they would put their faith in the only hope we have as sinners. The only lamb that's ever offered Jesus, our final lamb. And I pray that today that they would put their faith in Jesus. Call him Lord. It's the best they know how. Follow him as such and today they'd be saved. Lord, I pray that you've been glorified in this service. I pray as we leave here that these songs would ring in our ears, that these verses would ring in our ears as we go back to a cruddy world that's hard. We would understand, Lord, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Lord, help us. I turn this service over to you, and I ask, Lord, that you would move, that you would speak, you would convict. And as people call out, that your word would be true. I know it is that they'd be saved. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.